Insert jingle. Welcome. Insert jingle. Give a one, give a one, welcome. Give a one, insert. I'm drinking a Cumberland sausage. And um, I think the last time we spoke, I said that 4% is a stupid volume for a beer, but this is exactly what I have tonight. No, last time it was like 3.7 oh, yeah. or something. But, but um, I mean, that, well, that's just, that, that's just ridiculous, but, you know. Outrageous. I think, I think I said that, you know, normally it's about 4.2, 4.1. Definitely not four. Little did I know there was one in my fridge with that very percentage. And mine here is exactly 4.2. So what have you got? A goat, a Cozel, one of the uh, one of those all big, respected Czech beer brands over here. Um, That rings a bell. That rings Cozel. <laughs> is yours actually called Cumberland Sausage? Uh, no, it's called Cumberland Oh, I thought it was one of those little hipster breweries with weird names for all their beers. I it was a little little joke with myself because obviously no one outside of your head, no one outside of Cockermouth in Cumbria would would get that. Um, so how how much have you watched of that Geo Wizard uh, straight line mission across Wales that I recommended to you? Oh shit! Sorry. I think that answers my question. (laughs) Having a few technical problems in the studio. Um, I've watched episodes one and two. How many episodes are there in total? Of that that particular mission? Yeah, his first one across Wales. Across Wales. I think three or four. I don't think there's more than four. So he walked across Wales in only four episodes. (laughs) Impressive. It's not a unit of time. Well, I'm impressed. I, for one, am impressed. It's quite entertaining, I have to say, and and I and I still can't really put my finger on why. Um. Well, can you? Uh, yeah, I think so. It's just like you just don't know what he's going to come across next. I guess that's the the tantalising thing that he has to stay in a straight line, and he could come across anything. Well. I mean, he's only likely to come across farms and farmers and fields and and streams. And yeah, and rivers and Oh, lakes. rivers. And mountains. Rivers and lakes. So I think I, I've always had that thing of like, <laughs> he's going to come across some sheep. No, he's, he's, <laughs> he's from England, Dav. We don't do that here. Here, he says in when Spain. When in Rome. That was his excuse to, to go to Wales. Um, I think, yeah, to me, that's just, you know, I like exploring. It's just that thing of, will it, well, first I, of all, I hope will no Welsh it? people found that offensive, by the way. I just have to um, uh, make that clear. Well, I'm allowed to make that joke as a Welshman. Yes. Well, I, I'm, I think, about um, 12% Welsh. So, so there. I can make fun of our people, Dav. <laughs> Um, yeah, to me, it's obvious why that's entertaining. There's also just that factor of will he manage to cross it in a straight line, right? That's quite a difficult thing to do. 
and quite a unique challenge that like he had the um that golden opportunity of having thought of something that no one else has thought of mm. but he which is quite hard to do nowadays he's he's kind of going off the straight line thing he, he he i think within the first like 5 minutes he had to go round a bloody river well yeah but he's i don't know if it's i think it's subsequent to the first mission because that's like he was still sort of figuring things out that one but uh he's since come up with a whole like scoring um system where there's like a platinum run a gold run oh, and so on i see i see we're like yeah it's because you obviously you're not going to walk in a completely straight line across a country but i mean it's almost like he could have invented a whole new would you call it a sport i, I guess not but, um a whole new um Oh, what would you call it? Uh, hobby. <laughs> <laughs> a whole new pursuit. I, I, pursuit, that's the word I was looking for. Um, and obviously he, there's like forums and stuff. Well, I haven't been on them, but um, he gets help now from like various people who help him with like picking the best line across a country. Mm. Sort of trying to predict uh, the incline of certain parts of it and he is actually quite. I've only I've only watched two episodes of his stuff, but um, he is actually quite risky. You know, he uh, runs you know within a few feet of people's houses and on their land, and uh, you know, past cars with open boots, yeah, suggesting someone's um, not far away. So, and he's quite a likable guy. I guess that makes all the difference. He also does this thing, um, real life geo guesser, where he gets his girlfriend to drive him to somewhere in the UK blindfolded and leave him somewhere and <laughs> then he has to like follow clues and drop a pin on a map where he to where he thinks he is right which is have you ever played GeoGuessr no it's a uh, actually I love it it's like a game that sort of drops you just somewhere in the world just on a Google Street View road and so it can be anything anywhere in the world and you have to try and pinpoint on a map as close as possible where you are you're allowed to like move around and so how do you know where you are well it's it's always useful to see to find signs with writing on so you can see what language the country speaks uh-huh. and then you can see whether you're in the northern or southern hemisphere by looking where the sun is and uh-huh. generally you can just tell from landscapes obviously it's not always clear like from a landscape you could be in fucking anywhere in scandinavia or like somewhere in germany galicia i think galicia would be there is something slightly unique about it, I would say. <laughs> that classic Galician cough you hear everywhere. It's not a live feed. No, but you, you can, can see someone coughs. in the background coughing. Well, a lot of the time you're just on a fucking motorway in the middle of nowhere. But... It sounds like um, a fun game. It is, yeah. I can't tell if you're being sarcastic. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll... That's, how, that, that's what his YouTube channel started as, uh him playing that because he's, he's good at that game that's why his channel's called geo wizard and this episode is sponsored by geo wizard on youtube well it's not actually but yeah it's uh sponsored by cumberland sausages none, none in particular just in general <laughs> i've been listening to an audiobook called factfulness by hans rosling the late Hans Rosling. The Hans Rosling? 
the late Hans Rosling. Who's the late Hans Rosling? Um, he's a chap who wrote a very interesting book called Factfulness. Actually, while I was listening to the book, I thought, he sounds like an interesting guy. I'll look him up on Twitter. And the last tweet is from, I think, one of his kids saying, thank you for your kind words or something, since his Hans Rosling died like two years ago. So um, his book is about basically human progress and how the world is a lot better than a lot of people realize. And apparently the more educated you are, the more pessimistic you are about the state of the world as it is. So he's a bit Steven Pinker. Basically, yeah. It's a bit like a kind of slightly less academic version of enlightenment now. So what he used to do during his lectures was quiz the audience to see how much they knew about the state of the world as it is. I've kind of given it away a bit because I've already mentioned that most people <laughs> overestimate the, the bad things. Particularly educated people, eh? <laughs> yes. So basically, whatever you were going to say, exaggerate it. So let me ask you a question, Dav. What share of the world's population don't have enough food to meet their daily needs? Around 11%, 23%, or 37%. I, I think you know what I'm going to go with. <laughs> you ruined it. <laughs> uh, 11. Let's come back to this quiz in a year's time when uh, you've, we've forgotten this conversation. You're absolutely right. But 79% of people answer wrongly. 11% is, I mean, it's, obviously it's still human beings that are suffering, one in 10 people. Yeah, that's actually quite a lot when you think about it. I guess the point with that is um, how sharply that's decreased in the last sort of 50 years. Well, exactly, yeah. And a lot of these things have decreased super sharply and continue to decrease sharply. How many people in the world have access to safe drinking water in their home or close by? 30%, 50% or 70%? 70. Yes. But it strikes me that uh, the questions are, are slightly vague. Who has safe drinking water in or near their home? Well, near is subjective. I suppose so, yeah. Because if you're Australian, then near your home is like a seven-hour drive away. <laughs> or a two-hour flight. And also low-income countries. What, um, like... what does that mean? Yeah. Well, if you go on to gapminder.com, Org, you'll have um, all the juicy details there. Mind the gap. Next question. Of all energy used in the world, how much comes from natural gas, coal and oil? 42%, 62% or 82%? Oh, well, it's going to be 42%, but that is quite surprising. Oh, no. no. Is he actually wrong? No, no. It, yeah, it was 82%. I thought... Isn't that a bad thing? If you were right, global warming would be easy to fix. Many wrongly believe that fossil fuels are no longer the dominant energy sources. You hear a lot about clean energy solutions, and it gives the impression that they're already replacing the old dirty fuels. But nope. Dirty fuels. Dirty, dirty fuels. Isn't he, um, he's just turned negative randomly on that question, hasn't he? Yes. 
Well, there you go. I guess we can't trust the introduction after all. Just keeping us on our toes. Or maybe, what is he just trying to say, give up on the renewable energies? I don't think he's trying to say that. It's, he's just pointing out, you know, how little people know. Yeah, they were supposed to build um, some huge, uh, like, tidal power barrage around either Cardiff or Swansea. I don't know if that's been abandoned, but it looked quite cool from uh, the CGI that I saw of it. Because it, it, it would have, like, a walkway on it, and it would be a good few miles long. Oh, yeah. And obviously, Wales could probably get, you know, quite a bit of power from tidal and wind. And You've got a little wind around by there. Tidal Lagoon. Have you looked it up? Uh, no, I just remembered suddenly. Yes, Tidal Lagoon. Cardiff Tidal Lagoon. That does look pretty cool. Is it still happening? Um, Development began in 2013. Jesus. Jesus. Submitted its first formal planning documentation in March 2015. And then the rest is just too long to read. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where when I used to see that kind of thing and it's like, oh, it'll probably be finished in like 10, 15 years. And I used to think, oh, well, I can just forget about it. Like, that's too long a period of time for me to process. Whereas now, I quite easily imagine 10, <laughs> 10 years. I mean, 10 years is nothing. It's, well, it's the time, it's, it's less than the time we've known each other. Oh, yeah, less than, yeah, less than the time we've known each other. What's another 10 yeah. years? Uh, like at the time we met, you were like a new friend. Right. Yeah. A friend from school. <laughs> I still class you as a new friend. I still class you as a stranger. <laughs> well, you, you, you didn't seem to class me as a stranger when you insisted on telling me about your bloody dreams. Speaking of dreams, you know, I think I told you I rewatched Toast of London recently. The whole thing. Yes. And it struck me on the episode with John Hamm in it that it may well have caused your dream. So I wanted to ask you if if you watched that before or after you had the dream. Ah, it was around the same time that I was watching Coast of London during the pandemic. Yeah, well, during the <laughs> pandemic, we're still in the pandemic. But hang on, a, hang on a minute. He, he, I think I've put my finger on it. <laughs> Just call me Sigmund. When is he in... Toast of London. What you don't even remember that he's in it? No. Yeah, he's he's in a whole episode. He's in he's like one of the main characters of the episode that he's in. Well, I'll be damned. And and the funny thing is, uh, Toast like basically falls in love with him because he gets a head injury. Yes. And then John Hamm's charisma just overwhelms him. I think at one point he's like watching him across the street, like watching him through the window, and he's topless. And I thought. Chadams oh, definitely right. saw this. Oh my god! Before he had that dream. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! You might be right. You must be right. I mean, well, you hope I'm right because otherwise it's very random. He was also in a in a film that I watched. Maybe it was the the combination of that episode of Toast and the film I watched, but I can't remember what the film because <laughs> the film was about. Oh God, I'm so bad with uh, keeping up with the Joneses. Could it be? Yes. And he and his wife, they're just like this perfect couple. It's actually quite a funny film. It's got that, uh, what's his name? Zach Galifianakis. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who who I find quite funny. <coughs> uh, by, by all accounts, John Hamm is a bit of a... Um, Dish. Britophile. <laughs> <laughs> by all accounts, I've never seen him myself. Um, because he's in Toast of London, which is quite an obscure comedy. Yes, it is. Comedy. Yes, 
and he was also on um, Travel Man, wasn't he? The the like hour long Hong Kong Christmas special, and he seems like a decent bloke. Yeah, it's funny you do get these Americans who <laughs> who seem like decent blokes. Um, <laughs> Why is that? Funny? Who no? Who um, that, that's not uh, what I was going to say at all. Um, you get these Americans who end up. Um, I don't know if he lives in the UK or, or at least, you know, spending a lot of time in the UK and um, being in British series and like, like, but really, really obscure stuff. Um, and like on panel shows and stuff like that Canadian yeah. woman. What was her name? The ugh. Oh, Catherine Ryan. Yes. Yeah, but she lives here. I think she's lived here for decades. In Prague. <laughs> oh, yeah. Shit, I'm not in the UK. Oh, shit. I'm, I'm not in the UK. <laughs> Where am I? But that the the point isn't that she lives in the UK. It's that she decided to live in the UK. Yeah, well, it's, I think that's quite hard for, well, particularly us to imagine because we decided to leave the UK. <laughs> <laughs> but I think for anyone who lives in a country... I fled the UK. I think I, I meet some Czechs who are just like flabbergasted that I prefer it, prefer it here. But I think that's just a natural reaction because... Really? Like the familiar is so boring that like wherever you're from is obviously familiar to you. That's not how Spanish and, people react to me. Yeah, well, I guess they're... Because the weather is so good there. They're kind of used to having a load of Northern Europeans descend on... Descend on them. With like the UK, for us, it's just... That's, that's normalness. And for an American, it's like... I remember when... Uh, our American friend visited Cardiff during uni and she was just like just loving like the terraced Edwardian houses and like the shittiest little street in Cates was just it was British to her (laughs) yeah and that to her was foreign and it's like a sort of a cliche that you've seen but never experienced and then that's interesting I guess yeah, I remember she commented on one of my photos of just like a a, ter- uh, a row of terraced houses, which to me, terraced houses had always looked a bit shit because they're, you know, squished together. But she was like, oh, my God, I love England just by looking at that row of terraced houses. And uh, I don't know, I guess it's it, uh, it's nice to see a different perspective on things sometimes, things that you're used to, that are totally ordinary to you. Yeah, and I feel like you get that a bit from living abroad because like now when I go back to South Wales, I see it like I see its character more mm. clearly because I haven't been there for a few years. Do you know what I mean? Yes, and um, I find myself actually missing things from the UK as well. You know, things you can't get here. You mean like products? Well, not just products, but you know the just just certain things that we do, like go to the pub. You know. A pub garden. It's like, yeah, they're all about terraces here and bars and stuff, but it's not the same as a pub. Yeah, I think that's why I prefer it here. <laughs> that why I wouldn't, <laughs> like, why I wouldn't move, why I wouldn't move to Spain. I, I love Spain, but I don't think I could live there. It's just a bit too different. Too different, in the sense that, like, they they still have like a Czech pub. The hospoda is very pubish and actually, in some ways, better than a pub. I would say. In the sense that now a lot of pubs are just fucking franchises with, you know, depressed old men sitting in their office. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, actually. I mean, um, maybe in St. Melons, but to be honest, from what I've seen, I mean, God knows what, what will be left of the pub industry when 
this pandemic's over, but um, in fact, supposedly the Weatherspoons guy is meant to be buying up a load of empty pubs and converting them into, which is, it's kind of nice in a way that they won't become Tesco Express branches, but um, it's also... But they're becoming Weatherspoons. They're, they're becoming... Just... Um, to be honest, I, I do like a Weatherspoons. It's like, it's cheap. They have a great selection of beers and the food isn't actually that bad either. Um, so it's a, a bit of a guilty pleasure of mine, but... Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'll be honest, I go to Weatherspoons, but it's like, it's just one of those things where... It's one of the things I hate most about the UK is that in like any city or big town you can go to the same pub the same shops the same cafes Mm. the same nightclub the same supermarket the same restaurants just everything's a fucking franchise yeah it's weird because they even in france it's not like that so it can't be just about being one of the richer european countries exactly it's not really like that at all in france i don't think it's even like that in germany really that i think that's where we have become too american basically yeah we're kind of a weird middle ground between europe and america on a lot of things yeah we've taken the shit bits from each each one (laughs) but that's why i've always found spain so fascinating because i mean of course they have they have their own chains and stuff and uh the thing is sometimes as well you get fooled into thinking that you're actually in a an independent bar or cafe or bakery or whatever but it turns out to be a chain it's just you've never seen it anywhere else because you haven't been yeah. there but um and then it's like oh it's a foreign chain so it doesn't matter it's it's more exotic than the chains i'm used to but i think there's also a difference between like i know some places that have multiple locations around prague there's a difference between you know some czech chain that's done all right and opened a few branches to like just everything's a starbucks and a weatherspoons and a revolutions nightclub and a... yeah it's when it becomes a monopoly yeah and when he, when there's not an obvious choice that isn't a chain as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, they could have some kind of rules against against this if they kept a certain percentage of high streets, if they kind of allocated them to non-chains. But I don't know. I don't think there's the, the willpower for that in the UK. Yeah, no. Uh, well, you're thinking about going back, though, aren't you? It's, I guess is the difference between us. Well... I'm not thinking of going back. I'm just living day by day, to be honest. But I'm open to the idea of going back. Because I... Yeah. I don't know, maybe maybe the fact that every time I go back now, I enjoy it a lot. And and like I said, it, I love I love the... <laughs> and I've been talking shit about, <laughs> about how dull and homogenous uh, our high streets are and stuff. But um, I love traveling around the UK, actually. I've got lovely towns in the countryside there's so much character in the countryside and uh you know there's so many just like old things to visit um here in england he said in spain yeah that's my um british uh, imperialist mindset kicking in but i i like i love spain they're just different i i don't like it when people ask me to choose between them either my, my students are always you know oh where's better england or spain or what food do you prefer, England, English or Spanish? It's just a stupid question. But they, but they would always say Spain. That's that's the difference. I'm generalising massively here, but in my experience, most Spanish people seem to think Spain is the best. You know, they insist that their gastronomy is the best, but you know, at the same time, they they might have never left the country or only only once or twice when they were fifteen or something. I do remember it being a bit of a revelation that. Um... 
how bad the Spanish people in 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 Nantes, you know, on Erasmus, how bad they were at French. <laughs> be- just because, like, I mean, you know, I come from sort of like a sort of Welsh nationalist household, so uh, I guess I'd sort of uh, not just from home, but there is some truth in it. Sort of raised on the the idea that like the English, I guess, particularly, but I guess it's the British I'm talking about just aren't good at languages there are definitely some countries who are way better like the netherlands and the scandinavian countries but then spain like <laughs> no. do you know what i'm trying to say oh yeah no even the, making any sense? no no uh, if you compare them to the portuguese you know just nip over the border and everyone speaks perfect english but I... or, or anywhere else in europe <laughs> and their french is awful that surprised me because it's in the same language family and it's right next door. And the pronunciation was just like... Just horrific. Just really, really bad. Yeah. I mean, I think it's all circumstantial, to be honest. I don't think there's anything about Spanish people or even English. I mean, English people are terrible at languages, but I think it's just it just comes down to how much you need it. Um, and the ones, the Spanish people who need it, I mean, that's why there's so many English academies. They make a point of, of learning it because they need to put it on their CV. But in Portugal, they don't dub anything. So I think that's how they've ended up with a good level of English. In Spain, they dub everything. Oh, that's true, actually, because, you know, I was in the COVID hotel (laughs) in Portugal. The COVID hotel. I was locked in a hotel room for two weeks in Portugal. And yeah, I didn't really fully notice it at the time. But yeah, luckily they don't dub anything. It was just everything was subtitled. I watched quite a lot of films just on TV during the day. Yeah. And I think in... In the Netherlands and, I, I don't know, Scandinavia, do they dub anything there? They probably don't, do they? I, I doubt English-wise. Like, when I was in Denmark, I was just embarrassed. Like, I learned the phrase in Danish, do you speak English? And everyone just reacted like, yeah. Of course I fucking do. <laughs> yeah, like, like why would I even Do you think I'm stupid question? or something? Are they all, <laughs> are they all Northern Irish in Denmark? <laughs> I'm fucking stupid. Are you stupid? Do I look Danish to you? I'm on holiday. <laughs> <laughs> and they learn it. They learn English basically as a second language. No, that's not what I wanted to say. <laughs> as a as a second mother tongue, basically. Yeah. And if we were taught in the same way an, another language and our television was in that language, of course, we would speak other languages much. Well, we do, but, you know, your average Brit. Yeah, have you seen that? Um, I don't know if he's Danish or Swedish or Norwegian, but that talk show guy sklavan or skavlan uh is he is he on english telly well i've seen his clips on youtube uh, he's on the telly of whatever country whichever scandinavian country or i guess multiple scandinavian countries but the thing is he's had like ricky gervais and jordan peterson and noel gallagher on and like random selection of people well these are just the one the interviews i've watched i think he had gary barlow gary barlow he has basically has English speaking celebrities on and when they're on, he just speaks English and all the other guests, whether or not, you know, they're usually Swedish or Danish or whatever, they'll all speak English and there's no subtitles or anything. It just goes out that way. Mm. I, mean, I don't know, maybe they subtitle it on the TV over there, but they probably do. But... It's just so hard to imagine. Yes. That, oh, yeah. That in in your home country, like a native chat show host talking the language of the foreigner on the show. <sighs> And every, everyone on the show switching and speaking it perfectly. Mm. Yeah, it's and it's weird how it's weird that that's our language and it's unusual to us. And that most, I think, most people in the UK would be 
even shocked to find out that that's what happens because we we don't know, do we? Well, I do, yeah, I do I now. Mean, but I was about to say, even I, like I'm some fucking expert, but like even I was quite shocked in Denmark at just how unnecessary it was for me to have learned any Danish phrases. I usually like to anyway, but it seemed like it wasn't even at the level of them appreciating the gesture. It was like more of an insult to, for, of me to just assume they don't speak perfect English. Just an, uh, an inconvenience that you're wasting their time <laughs> like they're your fucking Danish conversation partner or something. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's odd. It's impressive. I guess the thing too for English native speakers, there's no real... Well, the obvious choice is French to learn, but it's not as useful as English unless you go to France every year on your holidays. Yeah, or you, or like if obviously like diplomatically it's quite a useful language if you're having anything to do with Canada or Africa, but France likes to pretend that French is as important as English, but it really isn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite it's quite funny how they have that whole ministry set up to to protect uh, the French language. I think that's exactly the reason that that it hasn't competed with English. I, I have this debate with my dad about Welsh, actually. Um, debate? Yeah. Are we, we debating? Sort of we, uh, no, I can refer to this debate without it being between you and me. <laughs> um, where we disagree quite strongly on, on Welsh. Where I was saying um, it basically needs to accept the influence of English and f like formalise all the Wenglish that we all use when we're speaking Welsh. And just let, just sort of let let what comes in naturally in, because that's what the boy English has done so well. It's such a Mongol language, Excuse and me. it just absorbs. It just like absorbs and adapts, and different slangs in different areas add different things to it. And it just like yeah, it's like yeah, fine, we'll take that on. Yeah, uh, I think this purity mindset is just the death of a language. I think. Yeah, I think uh, what you say makes sense completely. It's funny how they feel threatened by words like. I don't know, the weekend and hot dog and I don't know, that kind of thing. Shampoing. What's that? I don't even know how to pronounce it. Shampooing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just wasn't sure what, what language you were speaking. You mean champagne, Dev? <laughs> they just say the English word champagne. <laughs> but with a French accent. Champagne. <laughs> I didn't know you were such a connoisseur. But because they genuinely think, the French think that their language is under threat. But at least in France, they will continue to speak it. But in in the Scandinavian countries, you could I think you could feasibly wipe out Swedish Nor and Norwegian and Danish, maybe even German in a, in a single generation. I think it could feasibly well, be well, a, it, like if you put effort into it, you mean if you try. Oh, to if you wanted. That. Yeah, if you, if you tried to. But um, but maybe maybe even without trying, you know, with the with the language of the Internet. And I mean, you can go to you can go to some cities and not hear anyone speak like in berlin you can walk around berlin and everyone's speaking english because really? be, yeah because because they're not german <laughs> so they're speaking <laughs> their lingua franca is english yeah i do hear that a lot around prague like two people who aren't czech and aren't native english speakers speaking english to each other it's quite fascinating it is yeah i've always found that but fascinating that, that is the, the lingua franca um but that coupled with, I mean, maybe not so much in Germany, but coupled with the fact 
like in Scandinavia, if they've got, you know, everyone does speak English almost to native level and they're even switching to English for the convenience of of their guests on TV. All of that must surely make it more likely that um, it would eventually just overtake the local language in this increasingly globalised world, surely. Surely. Um, yeah, it gives me a boner. I thought... <laughs> As a camera comrade. I find it funny how even in even in Spanish, actually, they they've been adopting a lot of English words like quite recently, definitely within the last five or ten years. They say things like que random. Que random. <laughs> yeah, que random, tío. And it's like, you know, like 14-year-old, because I think they hear, they play video games with people, you know, from around the world. And they, you uh, know, with the headset on and they just, they just pick it up. And they, and even, they say, even say things like, que cringe. 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 It is fascinating because things, we can try and predict what's going to happen, but. It just feels like the pace of change is going so much faster than our ability to keep up with it. That I mean, what can you predict? Just like even like now as we're talking, there are so many. What is it? Probably millions of people online all over the world interacting with each other. And I think like compared to medieval times, where it took like a day to get to the next village, mm. and you've probably thought the next village had a fucking weird accent. Yeah. <laughs> And now just just everyone around the world just constantly in communication with each other all the time, night and day. Oh, what the fuck's going to happen? It's just a soup. It's just becoming a big soup. Yeah, and it wasn't even like this when we were kids. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's so, the, the pace is so exponential. It's ridiculous. Like I used to have to, when I was on holiday in Spain, I used to have to walk down the road and put coins in a payphone to phone my mum back in England and I'd have a, a, a time-sensitive conversation, you know, where I'd have to get in everything I wanted to say before my money ran out. And then that was it until... Wait, not on Erasmus? No, when I was on holiday. Okay, right. But, well, that, I mean, in the 90s, basically. and But even on Erasmus, like, we, we, we realised this the last time we went back two years ago. The fact we were catching an Uber... Yeah. Compared to the the ball lake that we had <laughs> ten years before that, I mean, we didn't even have like maps on our phone or. Yeah, that's the biggie for me. And it's funny how quickly you just um, absorb the new things. Where it was a a bit of a realization when I think back, it's like, hang on, I didn't even I didn't have a smartphone in my pocket. I couldn't just whip it out and like see exactly where I was and where I was <laughs> going in the quickest possible way. Like the fucking number of the bus or tram or whatever that I need to take at what time and exactly where to go to get it. Or if the place where the place I was going um, was open and how many out of, <laughs> you know, what rating it had. Yeah. Photos of the food that they serve. And it just, it, I, now I just think, how the fuck did I get around or do anything? Like, is, is my memory just way worse now because I've been relying on maps and stuff for a, for a while? I don't remember it being any particular effort not having that stuff. No, no. I mean, we just got on with it, didn't we? <laughs> Back in <Hulk> <laughs> We just got on with it, we did. 
But that's the thing. This is the kind of talk that that when we were kids was kind of reserved for grandparent generation. Mm. This whole thing of how different it was back in my day. And now we're only 30. It's like we've gone back to the Middle Ages. Actually, in a funny way, we've kind of <laughs> gone full circle. We're back in the Middle Ages where, you know, at 30, you are an old man. Yeah, you think like my parents were kids in, what, the 60s? And they went, I guess, the, the leap from 60s to 90s in terms of everyday conveniences isn't that massive compared to what happened between the 90s and now. Mm. It's just, the, it's the internet, isn't it? Yeah. It's going to be like, it's weird that we basically, we basically lived through a change mm. that is going to end up being seen as like the printing press <laughs> on steroids. Yeah. And it's going to be something that people look back on and be like, oh, it was fuck, it changed everything. It was a, such a big fucking shake up in history, such a revolution. And to us, it was just like, we were just living our lives. So mm. it was just kind of normal. We just absorbed everything. Yeah. We'll probably end up as, as 95 year olds being interviewed for a snippet of what it was like back in back in those days oh yeah when i was six i got my first pc on windows 95 and uh we didn't have the internet yet we got dial up five years later and we couldn't use the yeah. phone at the same time yeah i was 11 yeah you could use the fucking phone at the same time <laughs> <laughs> i still remember you going on msn the first time me uh no what? I remember you. Or did you just sound me? <laughs> no, I still remember going on MSN for the first time. Yeah, me, me too. I, it's funny how, how you remember these things, because like, I struggle to remember some things that I did yesterday, or even even <laughs> even things that, that we've done that we considered significant at the time, but you know, faded. But I, I literally remember my first MSN message. Mess message. <laughs> <laughs> what you remember what the message was messenger lozenge i remember receiving it i think it was something like are you there or something like twat <laughs> <laughs> i just remember being uh, fucking amazed i can mm. type on my computer and my friend is gonna see it on his computer yeah and we're just chatting i was like really amazed and excited it's like oh look at these look at these uh emoticons <sighs> All these colourful smiley faces. Yeah, that was before they were called emojis. So yeah, God knows what. As you say, there's there's just no way of predicting where all of this is going to end up ten years Probably. from now. Let alone, I mean, we we now know what it's like to have ten years of. We've known each other for t twelve, uh, eleven, eleven years or so. Eleven years. Eleven and a half ish. Yeah. So we know what it's like to live through a decade. Imagine what the next decade will bring well technically three decades uh <laughs> <laughs> well you get my point